heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Listen, one of the things that I pride well, myself on, and I certainly pride our platform on at America Out Loud, is free speech. I believe in free speech. You know, the whole origins of America Out Loud, now that we've uh, gone by the five-year mark and we're growing like a rocket ship, is the fact that we were based on the intent of free speech. In fact, one of the first uh, uh, mantra mottos I used to use on the platform was, let the silent voices be heard. And that, that kind of said something to me, and I, I like that. I like turning on the volume for people who might not get that story heard or that that talk or whatever it is out there. I've always been one that likes to put justice where injustice is. I like to right the wrongs, and I don't like bullies. Okay? I mean, it's that simple. So I kind of go for the underdog a lot and that kind of thing. I don't live my life by pointing at other people or being judgmental of who they are. In fact, it's how I raised my kids, my two teenagers, the same way. Don't be judgmental. Let people be who they are. You, you got enough stuff on your plate to deal with. And who is it? Who are we as a people that we need to criticize others? You know, this is the point of a problem. It's a problem and a, it's the point of contention of a lot of things that are happening in society with the woke business, the cancel culture. But more than that, uh, you look at the last, I'd say, what, 30, 40 years and the way we've grown as a people around the world. I think back to an earlier time and, you know, listen, when we were growing up as young people, you know, let's put it this way. Gay people were in the closet. You didn't you didn't come out of the closet kind of thing. It was always, you know, that's that's where that whole term came is in the closet. You know, and it's the same thing if you were out for for a, t- a night on the town and you're seeing a, 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 a black and white, a biracial couple. One was black. one was, Oh, my God. Wow. What's going on there? You know, I mean, this is what society was like, you know, I mean, all of that was the way it is. And boy, have we changed, have we not? Have we changed? Now there's nothing in the closet anymore. Nothing, not a thing. Now, part of that reason I speak to you about all the time is technology. Technology has changed the way we think, the way we operate, the way we be, the way we are. Sure, that's part of it. But there's more than that as well. On the flip side of this, I want to explain to you, a lot of people out there, and I hope you're not one of them, are not very diverse in their thinking. It's part of the problem we're having. This is where a lot of this racism talk. But let me also say another thing. Political operatives, they have weaponized so many. They've weaponized the gay community. They've weaponized the black community. And right now they're weaponizing the Asian community because of COVID. That's what political people do. You see, they look for the pain factor, the least easy accessible denominator, and then they build sort of a platform foundation out of that. Does that make sense? But that's what I see. 
And there's a lot of weaponized. That's a word I'm going to use a few times on today's program, I, I believe, weaponization. I believe a lot of people have been weaponized for other causes and other actions in their life. One of the things I love about our country, about America, is the fact that we grew up on a diversity of opinion, diversity of thought. Of course, it's no longer that way today because they'll cancel you out. Uh, you know, you, they'll, they'll uh, woke you up. They'll uh, smack you in the head. They'll call you out. They'll dox you. They'll do, they'll do all kinds of things, you see? It's a different story, but I love the fabric of who we were, though, the fact that we have this diversity of opinion, diversity, that we all didn't look alike, that we all looked a little different. Listen, I've always been called kind of a weird kind of guy. I always look at that as a compliment. I never had a problem with it because I never, you know, a lot of people go through life living inside these boxes and then they go around thinking, well, let's get outside of the box. And that that's another tagline that annoys the hell out of me because I don't, I don't ever need to think outside of the box. I don't, I don't own a box. Don't, don't have one in my life. Never had one. I didn't have one as a kid. I don't have one now at this point in my life either. And I'm past the kid stage, I'm sorry to say, you know, but I don't have one now either. So I'm always thinking in that way, outside of the realm of what normal is. I'm not, I guess what the word normal, people say normal. So Today, I want to talk about who the rainbow haters are. We'll start there, maybe. But it's a bigger conversation, obviously, with this whole diversity of opinion thing. You know, it's another thing, the rainbow. I have a lot of questions there as well about that rainbow. But uh, we're going to start the conversation today. It's going to be an interesting couple of hours. Buckle your seatbelt for sure, my fellow Americans. But uh, let me tell you, uh, pleased to have on here Taz Thornton uh, joins us. If the name is familiar to you. It's because Taz has been uh, really on our platform and part of America Out Loud for several years. It's been several years, Taz. Welcome to the Voice of a Nation. Thank you for having me, Malcolm. It's always a pleasure to join you guys, always. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a while since we talked. Now, Taz Thornton, you're about as weird and odd as a screwball as I am. (laughs) about absolutely i think you look more gay than i do though malcolm yeah <laughs> <laughs> there you go there you go see uh well and is that the point of being strange and odd is it, is it about being gay no of course not i'm about as vanilla and boring as you get i mean, I mean people assume otherwise because i've got pink hair but really that's no i mean right. i am mrs vanilla and boring me Vanilla and born, but you do do the pink topping on the ice cream. I do do the pink topping yeah. on the ice cream. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. So let's tell people a little bit about you. Let me start with that, because I, I think people should know you're an inspirational speaker and a darn good one. In fact, I, I just seen your uh, email the other day. You're now with some of the players. You were on the side of who? Uh, who is it? Some of the big names there now in that uh Robbins, Simon Sinek, quite a few of them, yeah. Robbins, yeah, Tony Robbins yeah. at that. So, so t- you're an inspirational speaker, successful author, uh, somebody that I've always enjoyed having around uh, because we can hang out and talk about anything, basically. Tell folks a little bit more of that background, please. Oh, goodness me, how long we got? Um, okay, so I started out in journalism, went through into marketing, uh, eventually ran my own digital media agency. But ultimately, I found that it wasn't what was filling me up. What was filling me up was helping other people. So I reinvented my life, became a coach, author, speaker, trainer. That's what I do now. When mm-hmm. I'm not doing that, I'm living at home with my wife of, well, partner of 23 years, wife of however many it is, and I'm supposed to remember, um, too many dogs and too many cats. Now, you've been, you've been married. Uh, you're married, I mean, for 20 some odd years? 
We've been together for 23 years and we've been married for seven. For seven, okay. Back 23 years ago, it wasn't legal there to get married, was it? Absolutely not, that's right. No, just like here, right? I mean, yeah. that was against yeah, yeah. everything. And then it changed, all the rules changed. And who, who, I don't even know, who did it first, the US or the UK? I, I got to tell no. folks that Taz is from the UK if you haven't picked that up yet. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. it's a weird accent. Do you know, I can't remember which, which came first, okay. Malcolm. I really can't. I just remember celebrating when it happened. Right, right. I don't remember either, but it was a big moment there yeah. uh, for a lot of reasons, a lot of things. Now, let me get to a bigger point now. Because uh, for like for you and I, like, uh, I mean, have you ever detected in all the times we've talked? And, and let me tell, there's another piece to this I need to tell folks, Taz. And Taz, <laughs> Taz you, well, you were co-host of a show I did. I was. Uh, right, several years ago, uh, Life of Liberty on the Pursuit of Pleasure. And yep. what, I, what I did, we did two seasons. I did 200 shows on this bad boy. And it was, I had 10 women from around the globe each season. And it changed each season, right, Taz? That's right. Yeah. And that show became a real handful. It was a great fun. It was a lot of fun to do. And we had conversations about everything. There's nothing we didn't talk about on that show. We didn't uh, shy away from controversy, did we? No, no. And I, and I had women from all over the globe. And I like that. I like the connectivity of having women from all over. But the point is that uh, I, I couldn't keep the show up anymore. And then, But that show is still live today. Another version of that show is just the women this time. It's Ladies of Liberty sound off. And it's just the women. And that show plays on America Out Loud Talk Radio. And it is very, very cool. Uh, they do a good job, the women do, in that show. So I'm not part of that, thankfully. Uh, that was by, uh, obviously, intention. But Taz was <laughs> one of the women in one of the seasons. And that's how I got to know Taz quite a bit. And all the years I've known you, I've always been an open-minded kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, again, I've never been one to judge people. Do you ever get kind of a feeling that I held the fact that you were gay against you? Oh, God, no. Not for a moment. No. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. So then when you sent an article and I'm going somewhere, obviously, with this, which is why I want <laughs> listeners. To, well, I, I can see where you go. Yeah, with this, yeah. this is like your your honor, your honor. I'm not guilty. I'm telling you. Anyways, <laughs> so so Taz does a weekly article on the platform and you can and she's got great writings and you can go read her. Just go to AmericaOutloud.com. Go into our team, Taz Thornton. Uh, under T, and you'll get all of her write-ins there, and she's got some great stuff. I mean, and levels the playing field in a lot of ways. And you and I are kind of uh, agree uh, have similarities in the fact that we don't like bullies and we don't like injustice, yeah. do we? Yeah, spot on. Right, right. So I, I received an article in from you about two weeks ago. And uh, it was my mouth about dropped on the floor. Uh, and I get a lot of uh, interest in articles and stuff in here. And, and it's not the first time that's happened, by the way. <laughs> but I, I do uh, uh, take the pleasure in publishing things. I don't have to agree or not agree with a lot of things. In other words, uh -huh. I publish things all the time. I don't agree with Taz. OK, yeah, yeah. I, and there and so and there was several parts of yours I did not agree with at all. I, I uh -huh. thought you had stretched the boundaries of the conversation a little bit to kind of cheat uh -huh. it a little bit outside the lines. <laughs> and I, I and I was going to call you out on it, Taz Thornton. And I thought, well, let's do this on air. Let's because I didn't yeah. talk to you about we haven't talked about anything we're going to talk other than you knew it was about the article, but you didn't know anything more than that. <laughs> not a clue. Yeah. So when I'm it did myself, I'm bracing yeah, myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when it didn't get 
published has sent me a message kindly because she is a lady after all. And she sent me a message. She said, Malcolm, I, I guess you didn't like that one. Here's another one for this week. You know, she just blew it off. No big deal. Yeah. She wasn't forcing anything or saying, what's the matter for you? Publishing that on? You know, it wasn't any of that. There was no banging on the desk. Right. You know, yeah, absolutely. And, you win and, some, you lose some, you know. Okay. Right. So, but then I thought, well, no, this is an opportunity. I felt it was an opportunity, Taz, for, for me to educate myself, educate people out there, listeners, and to get a bigger point in what this is. Now, the, the article was entitled, Put Down Your Rainbow Hammers and Stop Looking for Nails, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that was the the title. And by the way, I plan to publish this uh, article. And I, I think I said that to you, didn't I? Did I mention it? You did. That? You did. Yeah. 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 I do plan to publish this and we'll publish it with this show uh, uh -huh. so people can hear the live conversation and they can also read. I wanted to have the qualifying point to this is what I was hoping. And sometimes you get these little gems in and you can build a bigger <laughs> conversation. Now, June happens to be Pride Month and that's all over the world, isn't it, Taz? It is pretty much. Yep. Okay, so it's pretty, well, obviously I say that, and obviously not in countries who throw gay people off the roofs, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Probably not those countries. And I'm, I'm, I'm not really being facetious, that's real. That happens. No, absolutely. It will still be Pride Month, but a lot of countries get up in arms about it being Pride Month because, of course, it's still illegal. There is still the death sentence in, in some countries for anyone who happens to practice acts on being attracted to someone of the same gender. Yeah, that's exactly it. And so I think it's important to be truthful and say what the uh, honest truth is. So, yeah. so what I did initially when I looked at one of the, the couple of points in your piece, I wanted to talk to you about. I well, let me say this first. So I took the article and I had three people on my circle read it. Three, three uh -huh. people, and I asked, I would like your opinion on the piece. This was in confidence. Now, okay, yeah, right? yeah. And I said, I would like you to read it and give me back your opinion, please, and tell me what you think. Yeah. Um, and two of the folks, uh, one of the people had no problem at all, said, hey, everything's cool. Uh, you know, it's her opinion, every, you know, whatever. And then yeah. two others said, we sort of had questions as to where you were going or why. And he, one of the comments I want to read you right now, and it said this, yeah. and, I, and I want to, you know, because it's a very interesting point, and I'd like you to respond yeah. to it. It says, mm -hmm. I think the gay community is very well accepted in every sector of society. So... Mm -hmm. I don't understand the actual point of this piece. She's mm -hmm. arguing for what exactly? More mm -hmm. in inclusivity? How much is too much? <laughs> wow. And I, I stepped back a minute. I said, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> I, I said, well, that's a question for Taz. Taz, how do you answer that? I think that's a very common kind of response from someone who is... Well, it's, it's going to come down on either side of the coin. Either they have an issue with um, LGBTQIAKFCBNQ or the rest of it, because um, my goodness, how many letters do we need? Or they have absolutely no problem with it at all. And they have such a liberal mindset that they don't see the issues going on. And that's precisely the basis of a TED talk I did a year or so back where I talked about the liberal blind spot. The trouble is there's been so much of, oh, well, you can get married now. You can adopt now. There's equality laws now. What's your problem? The problem is that when we assume there's no issue, we turn a blind eye. Not deliberately. We don't see the amount of hate crimes that are still happening. And there are a lot, which wasn't quite the point of the article. But, hey, we can go into that a little bit more later on. 
Yeah. Well, there are, there, I'm sure there are, but I mean, it's just like in every community, there are, listen, hateful people will always exist, Has don't you think? They will. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hateful people will always exist. But all the time we assume that it's okay, just as we talk about any, you know, any things that are loosely termed phobias, because it's not really people being afraid most of the time, whether it's to do with race, whether it's to do with creed, anything at all. We need to recognize that the hate crimes are still going mm-hmm. on for any group of societies the same mm-hmm. with people with disabilities as well but we need to not pretend they don't exist because then they grow well like a news for your sister right now the hate crimes are being held out after the white male yeah well they might be over ha- over there if you look at the stats over here lgbt hate has been on the rise since the brexit vote over here that's quite mm-hmm. scary shouldn't okay. have anything to do with it but it does well, I mean, this whole white privilege thing is so out of con- context, it isn't funny. Uh, oh, and yeah. We have now become, and we're becoming the minority real quick in many ways, but there's plenty of hate out for the white male, for sure. Oh, so, totally, totally. Yeah. There's so, plenty, plenty of hate out for anybody with white skin, full stop. And, you know, I accept that I am in a position of privilege because I was born with white skin, you know. Mm-hmm. But what can I do about that aside from stand up and, and, and side whenever I can, you know? Yeah, yeah. See, I, I, I want to believe that, uh, uh, quite frankly, if I was, well, let me say something to you. I don't oh, totally agree with that because of this. I, I don't think having white skin is a privilege, uh, quite frankly. And let me say this to you, Taz. I think it's a lot of rubbish. And if I was born today, if I was born today, tr- truth be told, I would absolutely love to come back as a black guy. Uh, or yeah. somebody because there are special privileges you get when you're a black American today, or if you're a gay person or a trans, you get special privileges that that other people don't get. What do you say to do that? Do I? Do I, what special privileges do I get? Well, I think people are far more accepted. In other words, Whoa. you you can. It, well, I think they are. I think you get you get you can. Ten, I think people will look your way more than they will look at a white guy more. I don't think that's necessarily true. But again, I can't really speak to that because I'm not a white guy, just as you can't really speak to that because you're not a white lesbian. Yeah, and I'm not a black guy either. But again, no. I think that they have an advantage. If you're a great inspirational speaker and you're, and you're a black guy or a black girl, I think, is, and you're really good at what you do, you're going to, you have an advantage because I think people will give you, I don't think it's, I, I think it's reverse at this point. I think the tide is reversing. I, I really do. And I think these group, it, here's the thing, when it comes to the gay community, the black American community, the Asian community, the Hispanic community, whatever it is, and our ethnicities, back to your point a moment ago about the liberal, devoid of some liberals who don't see that. Don't you think mm-hmm. a lot of liberals, certainly in our country, if you've paid attention, mm-hmm. don't you think they've weaponized these groups for their own political prowess? Absolutely. Yes, I do. Better believe it. I think we're going off on splinter tangents now, which are valid. But yes, I do. And, you know, to your point that you'd love to come back as a black guy, wouldn't it be wonderful, Malcolm, if you could come back as a black guy and ha- and retain the memories and be able to compare and contrast? So we actually had an answer. But, you know, all mm. for an ideal situation, eh? And wouldn't that be interesting? We'd learn more well, as a people, but we, we don't know what happens in the chapter after this specifically, yeah. other than if we believe we're going to heaven and we believe yeah. that uh, that's a whole nother conversation we can have yeah. down the road here. Yeah, uh, but uh, on this point here of exclusivity, so when you look over mm-hmm. the last 30 years, at one point, as I say, in a restaurant, mm-hmm. you really they, you wouldn't see a couple of, of women or men holding hands or kissing in public. I mean, that would be totally taboo. All of that was in the closet. You never bought that up with the family. 
family, uh, even black and white biracial marriages or, or relationships of any kind were taboo. But Malcolm, I can't do that now. Right. Tell me. Um, there was a time, and, and again, go look at the TED talk that I, that I did a year or so back. We are near a city, fairly liberal, middle of the country. Um, we, my wife and I are still very, very careful about any public displays of affection. You know, if anybody pays attention, of course, we'll walk closer to each other than friends might. The clues are going to be there. I remember a time only a few years back, not too far before lockdown, when I reached down and I grasped my wife's hand just, just for a second, quick hand, hand squeeze, show of solidarity. That was it. Literally, quick squeeze, let go. We were then followed around for about 20 minutes by a couple of women quoting scripture at us. Mm -hmm. There was another time where we tried to book a hotel room and our hotel room booking wouldn't be taken because they didn't take all female groups, two women. There were there's a time where again in another town center I was out on an event nothing to do with LGBTQ stuff. A guy saw me, assumed I was gay, probably seen me chatting to Ash and seen that body language I don't know, and then gradually moved me away from the group, backed me up against a shop uh, a shop wall, and started lecturing me on morality. I've had twice I've had men grab me and force their tongs into my mouth because clearly I just need a good man. There's lots of lots of minor incidents that I could give you, which okay. for me at the time were never important enough to report, but it's there. And so to, I mean today you don't you don't hold hands in public with no. your wife then? You don't do it? No, no. Wow, I didn't know that, Taz. Uh -huh. I did know that. But so that's precisely what we mean by the liberal blind spot, because we assume it's okay. I'd love to assume it's okay, but it's not. So you okay? So it sounds to me like it sounds to me like you. We've actually. I, I'm guessing. I don't really know the answer to this, but have we made more ground in America than you have in the UK? I don't know, Malcolm. I really don't know. Um, I think there is division all over the place. Uh, one I'm thinking we have because I see people all the time in the community uh, doing that, and I don't think anybody gives a rat's ass. Now there are certain places where it might seem safer. So if I was out in certain parts of London, in the areas thought you know called the gay districts, where I might be able to somewhere like Brighton, maybe. Having having said that, Brighton's one of the gayest places in the UK, and we've had abuse there too. Mm -hmm. So maybe I don't know. Yeah. So you said in the article here, and I quote here, this is interesting. I'd like you to speak about this. You said that rainbow banner stands as a really powerful message to all yeah. the far right haters and yeah. homophobic shoppers, yeah. uh, to those who use religion to excuse discrimination, to yeah. those who disown or don't support their LGBTQ plus kids, et cetera, et cetera. The more we normalize being LGBTQ plus, including major yeah. brands yeah. displaying the rainbow during Pride Month, the more the old yeah. tenets of homophobia and anti-gay religious indoctrination crumble. Yes. So in my world, this has already been normalized. I don't see where, and I don't see where the discussion, I mean, for me, I, don't, I just don't see anything really to be discussed here anymore because it is normalized just as well as a biracial marriage would be, just as well as being a powerful black person that's successful, who has all the rights that I have, probably more, or a Hispanic or an Asian or whatever. So what's the argument or conversation? I'm, I'm really, that's what I'm lost in. I wanted you to educate me on that. And precisely you're, you're telling because, me. Yeah, precisely because there are guys like you for who it does seem normalized. What's the problem? And that's what we come up against all the time. Okay. But I 
can tell you from someone who lives that experience. Right. And honestly, I don't make a big deal out of it. My identity is not based around being a gay woman. I just happen to be. It's just so what? But so many people out there believe that it is okay, believe that it has been normalized until you scratch the surface. <laughs> let me let me give you an example that um not in, when I was still in my corporate days, I remember having a conversation with one of our sales guys. And he was just, he was saying pretty much what you've just said, you know, what are you what you know, what are you stopping the pride marches for? What's the matter with you? You know, why do well nobody cares? You'll be able to just before marriage was legalized, you'll be able to get married soon. What's the problem? And I said, so so let me tell you this, let me ask you this then. So when you have kids, if you have kids and one of your kids is gay, that won't be an issue for you. And he said, Well, of course it will be an issue. I said, Well, why will it be an issue? And he said, Well, it will never really be normal, will it? And that's mm. the issue that on the mm. surface, everything seems fine. But again, right. I have to be careful about where I'm booking holidays. I can't <clears> hold my wife's hands safely and pl public without being, having to be really careful about it. And, and again, when I did that TED talk that touched on this, this topic and that TED talk went live, mm. the amount of abuse I got on my page from people who are gay. And this is not everyone. There are some wonderful Christians out there mm -hmm. who have moved on. This is not everyone. I'm talking the likes of Westboro Baptist Church Brigade. You know, right, the amount of abuse right. I had from people when that came out to say that I was an abomination, I was going against God. I've had people tell me that I should be shot, that we should all be gassed. It yeah. hasn't gone away. And we have laws now. We have equality on the surface, but it's still not safe. I'm hearing what you're saying, and you, you've taught me a couple of things already with the, the level of hate that you're experiencing that you have, and I didn't recognize that specifically. Mm -hmm. So you've opened my eyes up a little bit there to understand what you're going through, what you're experiencing. And then when you tell me you don't even hold your wife's hand in public, that shocks me as well. Mm -hmm. I did not expect that, Taz. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's another piece that folks should know, and that, Taz, you were married once to a man. I was in a long-term relationship with a man. Yes, I've had I had several long-term relationships yeah. with guys when I was, and in hindsight, I know I was desperately trying to keep myself in the closet because, again, I was raised to believe that being gay was wrong, right, and right. a perversion, quote unquote. Right. Yeah. Well, if the whole world was gay, the world would end. Yeah, everything still works, Malcolm. No, no would the, would answer that question, because a lot when we talk about procreating, God didn't make women to women to have children and man to man. And so if the whole world was gay, if we only did our thing with our group, wouldn't the world end? No. Why? Sure. Because semen still exists and ovaries still exist. So, you know, I there see. are ways to make it happen. Having said that, that's a bit of a defunct argument because it's never going to be the case where the whole of the population is gay. Actually, I reckon that for a lot of people, mm -hmm. if you draw a line between gay and straight, I reckon a lot of people would be close to the center. It's and right. then you go into that conversation as well, that we know now science mm -hmm. biologists documents that there are cases of, of, of animals that are gay in the animal kingdom. So come yeah. on. Oh yeah. No, no, I've seen all that. That's exactly right. What happens in nature cannot be unnatural. Yeah, well, that, that does happen a lot in there. We, I've seen the signs. I know what you're talking about there. Yeah. No, I've always thought about that with the idea that the human race was to procreate. And uh, yeah. so, well, and I only say that because you keep, you had brought up the word normal quite a bit. And really, what yeah. is normal when we think oh, of normal? Oh, who knows? It's right. not normal. It's just common. <laughs> well, common. That, all right, there you go. Oh, that's a good way to look at it, common. But you know why I'm asking that or why I'm thinking yeah. that way, you know? Now, yeah. let me, why is it? This is important. I want to... There's something I want to understand. Yeah. One of the biggest uh, challenges 
back to your point of Christians or other people, whoever they may be. Yeah, and of course, it's not just Christianity. It's a lot of organized religions have um, interpreted mm -hmm. ancient texts yeah. to mean certain things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't see how we are supposed to judge other people to begin with. I mean, if you start with that as a basic platform, you understand where I'm at. You I don't know think, we're on the same page there. Yeah, I, right. I don't see where that's my position to do that. I don't think I have any authority from God above to judge all of this stuff. It's not my deal. And I think everybody has their deal. And quite frankly, when I think of if I'm, if I, you know, if I'm going to say, listen, we're going to have a, 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 a party tonight at the hotel and you can only invite, you know, a dozen people, uh, you probably, you more than likely would be on the invitee list has. You too, Malcolm. You too. And I wouldn't look at that and say, well, I can't invite her because, well, she happens to be, oh my God. You know? <laughs> I mean, who yeah. really, uh, I mean, so here's the bigger question I want to ask you here. Yeah. So part of the challenge is there are a lot of people in the gay community that want to say, look at me, look at me, look at me. And it's and an, I and think that's one of the issues. I think it is. Taz. We've got. Yes. And I want to talk to you about that right now. I want to give you the yeah. floor because this is the problem. I, I think I'm hitting the, the core back to your hitting nails yeah. with a hammer. I'd like right. to hit a nail right now with a hammer. And it's this problem here that. You know, they can't live their lives like, why can't you live your life and hold your hand with your wife? Well, of course you should be able to. Now, evil will always be there. And those people yeah. that are, but those people are people who do stuff that they shouldn't be doing in many ways. That's why people rob and kill and do all kinds of crap mm, on sometimes, anybody. Sometimes, yes. Sometimes. But I mean, it's always out there. So I'm just wondering... I think a lot of people feel that it's so when I read your piece, it was like rainbow flags everywhere. Let's just jam this down the kid's throat. And that was the <laughs> message I got from that. Why is that? Like, is that going to be the new normal for the next generation? No, not at all. Well, not I'm asking all. you. No, I don't. I, in an ideal world, we wouldn't need a rainbow flag, would we? You know, if you look if you look at the origins of the rainbow flag, for instance, each yeah. one of those colors has a different meaning, you know, so. No, in an ideal world, we wouldn't need them. But again, for me, and this is this this was the real crux of the article, and this is this kind of goes to some of your point mm -hmm. that every time we hit June, where the big brands start to put rain, rainbow washing is when when the big brands start to turn all their logos rainbow, and every year, if you look for it, when it happens, you will get people particularly people from the Middle East, again, from a different organized religion that has much stronger views than some of us, will start creating. I remember last year when LinkedIn went rainbow and there was a there were really nasty homophobic comments all over LinkedIn. But the point I'm making, it goes, it goes to a bit of your point of being special. I remember when I was when I was growing up and again, in hindsight, knew that I was gay it would have been such a relief to me to walk into even something like a supermarket and know, wow, I'm okay here. I'm allowed to be me here. But what happens is every year, members of the gay community start berating those big brands for using rainbow, for, for using rainbow colors, because as far as they're concerned, they are capitalizing on the gay community. Now they have a, there's a point there. If, if there is a brand who is saying, hey, hey, look at us, we're, we're down with the gays, where in fact, outside of Pride Month, they are not doing anything to support their LGBTQIA staff members, their teams. They are not supporting equality outside of Pride Month. Of course, they need calling out. But I think we need to stop. We need to stop, stop walking around with a hammer and looking for nails. One of the arguments I ended up having 
was people who were saying, well, look, here are pictures of Twitter accounts for, I think BMW was, was the one that I was citing. They were saying, look, well, they've got it everywhere apart from the Middle East. And they're saying, well, well, of course they're not going to put it in there because they'll lose sales. Or on the other hand, mm-hmm. are they not already making a massive gesture in putting that flag everywhere it's safe, in air quotes, to put it? If they had that, that flag on their brands in the Middle East, they could end up with staff members being tortured or murdered or arrested. So I think we need to recognize how far we've come. This is a two way street. There are so many people who don't understand, just as you didn't earlier, that there are many places where I can't hold my wife's hand Mm -hmm. and that people are still being tortured and beaten and murdered and raped and worse. But by the same token, members of the LGBTQ community need to stop bashing. We need to stop looking for people and say, you've only got that rainbow flag up during during June. So what? There are many campaign months. You know, we have a National Smile Month over here. Does that mean that we should tell people off for talking about the importance of healthy, healthy teeth if they're not doing it all year round? You know, we need to stop trying to look for a problem that isn't there. And to your point of wanting to be different, this is where I genuinely believe we have lost our way with Pride events. Pride events for me are there for solidarity and to create positive change. And for now, the focus needs to be on all those countries where it is not safe to be your natural state of of gay, of homosexual, whatever you want to call it. They should not just be great big parties. They're not meat racks. And I think one of the areas where we're going into danger is that historically, because we were marginalised, the community as a whole, one of the ways that, that gay people, I'm going to say particularly some of the, the flamboyance that goes with, with, with the guys, that flamboyance became part of the identity. And I think part of the knife edge we're walking now is that me, the more we do move towards acceptance, mm-hmm. the more we don't necessarily need to be saying, look at me, I'm different. And we can't have it both ways. We can't be saying, you know, I'm the same as everybody else. Give me equality. And we know we know equal does not always mean the same. But we can't be saying, hey, I'm just like you on one hand. But on the other hand, saying, how do you look at me? I'm different. You know, but as I started, I'm the most boring gay person you could find apart from my pink hair. Well, the point you just say that people that say, look at me, I'm gay. Look at me, I'm black. Look at me, I'm this. I I don't know, whatever that means. The point of this is there are a lot of people that are vying for attention. And I I think there are other things going on in their life as to why they need that attention, probably. Maybe so, maybe so. It sounds like it. But it sounds to me like that's where a lot of people feel the gay community is like, why can't you just be like us? But you're saying to me, well, Malcolm, we really can't be because there's a piece of the population that is still very hateful and evil that won't let us live our lives. That's what you're saying. saying We can't be like everybody else. No, I'm saying that we need to keep reminding people that there is an issue. You know, any any I'm I'm like you in that any form of bullying Right. I want to be standing up against it. Absolutely. Right. Amen. Amen. And Ch- and there is bullying going on here statistically, even if it's not yeah. like it in the US. No. Haven't checked the US figures. I can't speak to that. But yeah. certainly in the UK, there hasn't been a decline in LGBTQ hate crimes. It's mm-hmm. been rising steadily for the past few years. Well, let's let's do this, Taz. Let's agree, please, that you and I will work toward bridging the gap for the community yeah. of of human beings out there who don't understand. Okay, all right. Absolutely, that's I my mean, entire message. You are a tremendous speaker. You are a tremendous inspirational person. You are uh, a born vanilla life of the party uh, person. 
<laughs> yeah. Which is not easy to pull off, by the way, okay? Yeah, I'll be the one hiding in the kitchen at a party, but people will assume I'm the, I'm the life of the party. And that is Taz Thornton. And uh, Taz is, again, inspirational speaker, a, a public speaker, author. Uh, her columns, her articles uh, weekly, you can read her at americaoutloud.com. Typically, her things are not going to be uh, encased like this particular article. And by the way, you can read the piece we've talked about in its entirety back at americaoutloud.com. As you hear this broadcast, it is indeed available. And you can go to Taz Thornton under the menu or nav bar if you don't see it on the front page and see it. Again, I believe in free speech. Don't agree with a lot of things she said in there, but that's okay. And you see, we just discussed it and had differences of opinion and came away uh, uh, with a theory of the fact that we can make it better and we need to work toward that end. So let me tell you what we have going on here just ahead now. Up next here, we have Pastor Stephen Broden coming on. This is going to be really interesting. He doesn't even know what we're going to talk about. Uh, again, talk. this is a program of trust but he's going to be here and I'm looking forward to having this conversation with him about what we just talked about. And also a gentleman I had on, oh, a few weeks back, really like this guy, George Carneal. You may remember that. Uh, and he was on, he has a book again, very interesting, From Queer to Christ. And I, I actually said that title to the book of somebody, I, I, um, uh, a doctor the other day, an MD, and they said, oh, I love that title. They said, wow, that's a story, isn't it? I said, it is. And George tells it like nobody's business. He'll be on with us as well today. We'll take a pause here. You're listening to The Voice of a Nation. Listen to Malcolm, The Voice of a Nation on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. Because of COVID-19, the average American worries about their immune health four times a day. That's 112 times per year. To minimize the worries, leading nutritional supplement company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost, an immune supplement that contains 15 full doses of science-backed nutrients like vitamin C, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea, all in a one-a-day pill-free gel pack. It tastes great, is convenient on the go, and it's more natural too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Supporting a strong and resilient immune system can be simple. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Immune Super Boost. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. It was a vision that gave birth to a unique multimedia platform that would combine classic talk radio, great writers, and memorable podcasts and videos. AmericaOutloud.com is a conservative leader in a field that is predominantly run by far-left progressive globalists. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. The silent majority has spoken. We say, let the silent voices be heard. You can be the voice of change. Contact our producer at liberty at americaoutloud.com. Liberty at americaoutloud.com. This is the kind of topic, if you will, that a lot of people wouldn't touch. 
a lot of people don't want to talk about these things and i don't mind at all talking about all these things and quite frankly if we don't talk about them how are we ever going to solve the problem uh, and i want to ask the next gentleman to help me solve that problem a bit here one of the voices i love to have on the broadcast all the time here uh, pastor stefan broden is here uh, pastor broden welcome to the voice of a nation it's good to be with you always good to have your perspective my friend so let me explain to you what happened and i'll educate the listeners who are just tuning in as well so taz thornton again if you can visualize this pastor broden very strong inspirational woman inspirational speaker uh coach life coach um has been married to the same woman for like 20 some odd years with, with her for 25 years something like that and uh well adjusted trying to really live her life do her thing she sent an article a couple of weeks ago that I did not publish uh, because it was uh, uh, quite spirited. And I told her I wanted to talk to her on broadcast first before I published this for public consumption and wanted folks to know because we're in Pride Month. You know, June is Pride Month, correct? Right. Uh, that's what they say. That's what they say. So it is Pride Month and this is the time to have these conversations. But the title on her article was Put Down Your Rainbow Hammers and stop looking for nails. And she said some pretty interesting things in there that got my attention that I thought, well, this is gonna require a little bit more of a conversation, okay? One of the things that was talked about is inclusivity. In other words, do we have, does the gay community, and you know, and when I, I started the program by telling folks, Pastor Bill, and there was a time if you go back and you dial the dial back 30 years, you, you couldn't be gay and hold, hold hands and that everybody was in the closet, correct? Yeah, it, uh, we're not there now. Right, we're not there now, but people were all in the closet and I've told listeners that already, but also you couldn't be in a restaurant or a public place and even see a biracial couple relationship, correct? Uh, it was rare. That was also looked against. That's correct. That was like, who do these people think they are? So the black and white couple was not looked at, the racial merit, biracial marriage, that sort of thing, gay. All of that stuff, now everything is out in the light of day to be whatever, uh, to be judged or not to be judged. Now, technology has changed a lot of this, Pastor Broden. I, for one, don't think we should be in the position of judging other people. Listeners know where I come from already, okay? I don't believe I have any authority from God Almighty to judge other people. I don't think I've been given that right. Never have. Never thought that way as a kid either. Don't think that way today. So I'm acceptance. I've always been accepted of everybody because I don't think I'm better than anybody. You understand? You know? That's how I come into the conversation. But obviously, the world doesn't always see it that way. We talked earlier with Taz about some countries that actually throw still to this day gay people off the roofs. But that really happens. Uh, she was expressing to me she can't even hold the hand of her wife in, in the UK. Now, this is the UK. I think we've actually, from the way she described it, I'm wondering if we haven't accomplished more here in our country than they have. But she pointed out, here's something she said in the article, and I'd like your opinion on this. Here's one of the points that she said that really got my attention, and it was this. That rainbow banner stands as a really powerful message to all the far-right haters and homophobic shoppers, to those who use religion to excuse discrimination, to those who disown or don't support their LGBTQ plus kids, et cetera. The more we normalize being LGBTQ plus, including major brands, corporations that is, displaying the rainbow 
during Pride Month, the more the old tenets of homophobia and anti-gay religious indoctrination crumble. How do you say, how do you speak back to that, uh, Pastor Broden? Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, the rainbow is God's symbol. He gave it to us as a promise that he would not destroy the earth again with the flood. And so that is an expression, a divine expression from God. That's how I see it. And I believe that the, uh, the, uh, the gay community has co-opted it to use it to advance their idea. And so I, I think that um, uh, the rainbow should, I, I agree with her that it shouldn't be used by them because it's a, a divine articulation of a promise from God. That's number one. Number two, um, I believe the Bible speaks very clearly that we are to judge the tree by its fruit. And so any idea that suggests that we do not have the right to judge does do not understand the biblical uh, uh, definitions that God has given to us to operate within the framework of that definition. So judgment is not something that we are prohibited from in scripture, but the Bible says, but by the same judgment, you shall be judged. So it's saying that whatever you're judging by will also be that which will judge your behavior as well. Okay. Judge ye not lest you shall be judged in the same way. Meaning that if you have a distorted or demented judgment and one that is, is not biblical in its orientation or it's under consideration of the divine perspective, then you're setting yourself up to receive the same kind of judgment. But there is nothing in scripture that prohibits us from judging and our judgment is done through our biblical worldview or from the context of what the bible defines as right versus wrong that that needs to be understood in terms of accomplishments and you said how much we have accomplished here in america i don't see uh, that uh, issue as an accomplishment i think it's something other than an accomplishment it contradicts the definitions that we have in scripture. So it is that which is antithetical to the biblical worldview. And as a Christian, I'm going to bring a biblical worldview to the conversation, mm -hmm. not in hostility or anger, right. but in love, mm -hmm. in love. I correct my children when they're wrong, in love. I correct mm -hmm. my friend when they're in wrong, in love. So it's, it's not a malicious attempt to try to uh, belittle okay. or malign anybody as mm -hmm. much as it is to say it's wrong to stick your finger in the fire or put your hand on a hot stove. Don't okay. do that. Mm -hmm. right? right. And there are corresponding consequences. When you take your hand and stick it over the flame, you're going to get burned. Right. right. And so what we do is we say, here's what God says about sexuality. Here's what God, how he created sexuality. Mm -hmm. And we bring God's definition into the conversation. Right. So I think your friend, although she is making a point about how to uh, best represent their position in the public square, not by being confrontive uh, and alerting or uh, stirring up feelings of hostility or anger on the part of those who are anti-gay. You know, I understand where she's coming from on that. I, I'm not responding out of hostility. I'm responding biblically 
to say that that lifestyle contradicts yeah. God's definition of sexuality. Well, and I, I actually talked to her about procreation. And, you know, I always think about the fact if her parents were gay, uh, man and man or woman and woman, she would not be here. And then it, that's the way this thing works. I said, well, what if the whole world was gay? If men just had relations with men and women, women, we, the world would end. She said, well, no, there would still be sperm around and we'd still find a way to have. Uh, so this is sort of how people get around that conversation. Now, you're bringing in the factor of the way I was going to ask you. You've already answered the question. How, do, how does God look at a relationship as a relation? I mean, we I know what the answer to this is, but I mean, is a relationship in the religious tenet between a man and a woman or is it between a woman and woman and a man and a man? God's definition is that he created woman for man. He created a woman for man. He, he, Adam was there in the garden by himself. That's right. That's right. He named all the animals. He named them and he named them for a purpose. God gave him that assignment that he could see that there was a pair, a male and a female. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, is there someone for me? Right. And God created someone for him and it was a woman. And okay. he defined what the relationship should be between a man and a woman. And then he defines the sexual relationship as being multiple as for them to multiply mm -hmm. and to fill the earth so there's, it, it, there's so, a purpose in the sexual relationship so let me ask you this if if somebody in your opinion if two women are uh, amazing women they're great citizens of the world they have their relationship they've never done any harm they uh, you know are they uh, so back to judgment uh, should we believe that right away that they're and i know this starts to go down a road of religion but uh, are they not accepted into are they are, are they damned to hell well, that's an interesting question. I, uh, first of all, I, I don't call the position that I espouse religion. Uh, this is, is these are principles of right versus wrong, right? Yeah, I, I agree with this that. This is it, all right. That's this is not religion. I agree religion with Religion is practiced all over the world with different kinds of things, false religions and that kind of thing. And even within Christianity, people are religious to the point that they're not even practicing their faith. Mm -hmm. But here we are talking about principles of right and wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, adultery is wrong. It's wrong for a man to have sexual relationship with another man's wife. That's wrong. He can be a great citizen, pay his taxes on time. People love him. He put, gives money to charity sure. yeah. and he's having a sexual relationship. It's wrong. What you do in terms of how you conduct yourself relative to the standards of the culture and them determining your behavior right and wrong does not necessarily mean that you're lining up with what God defines as right and wrong. And no matter how good you may seem or according to cultural definitions, if God says what you're involved in is wrong, it's wrong. And you can look good being wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot of people do look good being wrong, potentially, I hear you. Uh, well, listen, I'm, I reference evil all the time, and I, I talking to, you know, Taz about that as well. Um, you know, there are a lot of people who uh, uh, are judging these folks, and then you're saying it's okay to judge. Well, let me ask you this now. When you say that, it's okay to, and I get what you said. I understand where you were coming from, that we but have a right you, to. You, you judge using the standard of the Lord. Mm -hmm. God's standard is the means by which we process mm -hmm. what is right versus what is wrong. And we yeah. can make that assessment. He yeah, says you yeah. can judge 
the quality of the tree based upon the quality of the fruit. Uh, yeah, but, but I got a rotten fruit coming up, then the tree is no good. But here's the problem. Some of these people don't, they have no belief in God. They don't, that God does not enter into their equation. Right. Uh, that certainly is the case for many. Right. Uh, that, got, uh, that, that, but, uh, but doing wrong is not exclusive to those who are atheistic. Wrong right. is also exercised by people who say they believe in God. Yeah. So, you know, the, we're talking about a standard of judging morality. Mm -hmm. What is morally right mm -hmm. and what is morally wrong. So, I so think most of us here on this, listening to this program, mm -hmm. will agree to us. And I don't know, it's starting to change now. The culture's starting to change. Mm -hmm. That a grown man having a sex with a 10 year old girl mm -hmm. is wrong. Child molestation is wrong. I don't, whether you believe in God or not, it's wrong. And, and, and two gay women or two gay men, are, you're suggesting, I mean, you went pretty far in pedophilia there, but what about man and man? That's also wrong, you're suggesting. That's, right. wrong. Wrong. That's wrong. Right. Wrong. Okay. So if that's, so here's what I ask you now, this is important. Society as a whole, Pride Month, government, flags, rainbow flags, are, are, does society, should they accept the gay community based on that? Does the Christian community accept the gay community for what, who or what they may be or not? No, we don't accept them for what they're practicing. We accept them as, as creations of God mm -hmm. who are in need of redemption and salvation. Just like when God found me, when I was a ranked sinner, he found me. And he loved me enough to pull me out of darkness into the light. And we should love them, not their sin. We should love them enough to share the gospel with them and help them to come to the truth of, of who God is and what God's expectations are for their life. Yeah. Right. But right. we don't accept the sin. I see. So I, now I, and you've drawn a picture out for me now of uh, where you're at in the thinking. And now that's why, uh, someone like a Taz Thornton and many other in the gay community are yelling out for more flags and more attention because they feel that coming back from the faith community. I'm not going to use the word religious community because right, I understand, right. but the faith community, which you have also pointed out, and I, I don't necessarily disagree at all with good and evil and morality. Where is morality in this conversation? Uh, you know, that that is the quandary of the question, but yeah, but listen, you know, this whole conversation of acceptance, I, I, I'll turn one other thing back to you here. And we, her and I, she and I talked about that when we talked about, well, you know, at one time biracial couples weren't even accepted. At one time you couldn't even have that. Some people say that's wrong. Uh, that's, uh, I don't know, is that morally wrong or is that acceptable in your opinion? Biracial couples? Yes. Sure, there's nothing wrong with that. that that's uh, between a man and a woman. Yeah. Or, or, you know, a black right. man right. or a right. white man who may fall in love with okay. a black woman and wants to marry her. There's nothing wrong with that. So, so here's the different. thing. We're talking about a sexual right. practice right. that deviates from God's definition mm -hmm. of what a marriage should be okay. between a man and a woman.
that's different from uh, understood. Uh, racial. Issues. Understood. Okay, but if you look different. at but if you look at society as a whole now, to take a bigger leap with you, Pastor Broden, to take a bigger leap, and you look at the political operatives and the the the, the political machine that we have, and I actually pointed out to her uh, how political operatives, the left, how they weaponize all of this. It's weaponization is the word here. They weaponize the gay community just as they weaponize the black American community, just as they weaponize as they're weaponizing right now the Asian community, uh, compliments of COVID. And they do all this for a political agenda and, and an end result that they're looking for. Do you agree with that statement? Oh, absolutely. That's right. precisely what we're in. We're in the middle of a philosophical ideology mm -hmm. that is designed for one purpose, to create chaos yeah. in order to for, uh, foment change. Yeah. And we are seeing that change. It, every Marxist, every communist, every socialist knows mm -hmm. that for them to achieve their goal, they've got to create chaos. Mm -hmm. And that means division. And they divide us through deception and through lies. And you and I, who are Christians, need to begin to recognize that the pattern and what they're doing. The Bible warns us. It says, see to it that no one takes you captive mm -hmm. through philosophies, empty deceptions, according to the traditions of men and the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Jesus Christ. And we are under a philosophical transformation right now that the Bible warns us about. Yeah, no, it is exactly there. That transformation. We're living in a, a historical moment of time, Pastor Broden. And, you know, we we are fighting for the salvation of our lives, our families and, and our nation. And we're, we're fighting for every breath that we have right now. Never seen anything like this in our life, have we? Oh, no. Uh, but we certainly have been warned about it. And I think what has happened, uh, Malcolm, and, I, and this is going to be a hard message for some of your listeners, that we are accountable for what is happening to us in America. Yeah, yeah. We have fallen into the trap of pursuing what I call the American dream. And we have shut out the voice of God and we're no longer listening to him. Mm -hmm. We are in pursuit of hedonistic materialism that is designed to satisfy me, myself, and I. And because we were there, the the fox has come into the hen house and he's not there to make chicken salad. No, no, no. He is definitely in there. And that is the fight of good and evil that Pastor Broden, you and I talk all the time. As you've just been talking, I know you're at an event and I thank you wholeheartedly for just taking the time to join us here. You have enlightened this conversation so much by bringing uh, that morality that I always count on you to bring to the conversation to it. And you've made me aware of multiple things. My mind is racing a thousand miles a minute, but there are several things, uh, a lot more questions and, and talks I'd like to have with you ahead, uh, of course, that I'm thinking about just from this talk we have. Thank you, brother, for being here, being part of this here. Thank you, Malcolm. God bless you. God bless you, brother. And my friends, that is uh, Pastor Stephen Broden and uh, unique voice uh, for unique times. Um, you, you can feel the commitment and the passion of where Pastor Broden always comes from. That's why I love to have him on. He doesn't change his conversation just because of the time of day or who he's talking to. Uh, and you, you sense that about him. He, he is the real deal. 
I love that man. Uh, he's terrific. Uh, I wanted to talk to him a lot more about this transformation and about Black America, being a Black conservative voice and a pastor who he is. Uh, it's always a great uh, conversation I have with Pastor Broden. So listen, we're going to, uh, we need to get into hour two, running right out of time here. I promise you we're going to have George Carneal on as well, the author of From Queer to Christ, who has really, uh, he's taken this all and he's been listening to this entire program here. And so uh, he, he, I've got to really enjoy appealing the onion with him now in a very interesting way, uh, I, I think. And, and let's see if we can't shed some light on this and continue onward, my fellow Americans here. You're listening to The Voice of a Nation. The heart and soul of a nation beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor, honor, honor. Our soul. Soul, soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Are we joined you back here on the voice of a nation? This is Malcolm Out Loud. Uh, big conversation here about, we started out about rainbow haters, uh, right? The rainbow haters. Uh, we've kind of taken a turn at this point after speaking up front with Taz Thornton and then to Pastor uh, Stephen Broden. And, you know, it's interesting when we're looking at the perspectives of uh, life and society and the lens that we're looking through it right now and the transformation and uh, of really society what's happening right now out there so listen let's not waste any time here let me bring on here george carneal and uh, talk about uh, what we've just heard here george again the author of from queer to christ george remind me uh, well i actually i know this now and i i vaguely ever remember you were raised by a southern baptist minister correct yeah so when you were here and pastor stephen broden i mean you the, the, the tenets of what he was talking about, you knew where he was coming from. Exactly. He was right on the money. He was right on the money. All right. Uh, very interesting. So let's let's bring that forward now and talk about what that means, because there's still this transformation thing of society that he was talking about. Now, let's let's first be well with Tash Thornton and her life and the the article that she uh, wrote and the comments that I, I probably should read that again. And, and let, me, let me read that to listeners in case you're just joining us here. And she says that rainbow banner stands as a really powerful message to all the far right haters and homophobic shoppers, to those who use religion to excuse discrimination, to those who disown or don't support their LGBTQ plus kids, et cetera. The more we normalize being LGBTQ+, including major brands displaying the rainbow during Pride Month, the more the old tenets of homophobia and anti-gay religious indoctrination crumble. So, George, listening to those words, and now you heard the full conversation of Taz Thornton. Uh, let me give the floor to you now and tell me how we bridge the gap from where she was at and where Pastor Broden was at and that phrase I just put out there. 
What I really appreciate about Taz is that she sounds like someone you could really have an intelligent, rational, common sense conversation with. And I really appreciated just her being fair, even with regard to not marginalizing all Christians as being haters of the LGBT community, because they're not. We know that there are some uh, unfortunate Christians in the community who are mean-spirited, but they are also in the LGBT community. And that is something that needs to be said. But when it comes to the rainbow, and what it means for Christians and, and it being God's covenant. That is something that's very sacred to the Christian community. And I, I think sometimes the LGBT activists or the community thinks that by when Christians are speaking out against something, they automatically take it as, oh, we're hating on you. And it's not. They must stop being on the defensive all of the time. You know, not all Christians hate their LGBT kids. There are a lot of heterosexuals who aren't even religious, who really have a problem with having a, a gay or lesbian child. So this just has to do with people, not so much Christianity. So I would want Taz and others to understand that the real bigger issue is, is that the LGBT community, while it demands acceptance and respect they don't show that same respect to people of faith whether they're muslim uh, jews or christians and the dialogue needs to be had to where we can start looking at hey this is what we believe and we need you to accept that and respect that and we understand where you're coming from but there needs to be some respect and instead of going to a christian bakery and suing that owner into oblivion because they're merely trying to go with something that's that they don't want to go against their faith and for you to destroy that person's livelihood. This is where there's going to be a lot of pushback with people in the world. They are tired of being bullied by the LGBT mob. But I also want to say to Taz, while it is important because I am against all bullying, I also would like to ask her, what about the bullying of the ex LGBT individuals who have left that life and decided to follow Christ I wish she could understand what we go through and the ridicule, the hate, the shaming, the name calling. They dox us and they threaten us. This is the it's to me, it's the respect needs to be on both sides and both sides need to be heard. And I would love to hear her come out and condemn the rhetoric and the behavior of the LGBT community against Muslims, Jews, Christians, or even ex LGBT individuals. Respect goes both ways and we're not going to get anywhere when both sides are trying to demand their rights and demand to be heard, but we don't want to give respect to the other side. You are such a great spokesman for this conversation, George, because you see this from both lens, don't you? Absolutely. And I understand. And I would say to Taz and people like her, I understand what it's being to. I understand what it's like to be on the receiving end of the abuse from Christians. And I talk about that in my book. And it really made it a, a hard and difficult life for me. I kind of laughed at her white privilege thing because I wished I, I knew where that white privilege was because my mm -hmm. life hasn't been easy. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. This is really a heart issue. We have a lot of people in the world who are speaking out of ignorance and hate. I think if there was a lot more love and compassion, but I don't want to mistake that for, especially in the Christian community, the LGBT community always emphasizes we must love and respect everyone. Mm -hmm. And yes, we should treat everyone with respect, but still respect our faith. And when we tell you that God's word condemns homosexuality, it's not that we hate on the LGBT individual. We love them, but as the pastor said, there is a morality issue and a standard by which God's ho God holds us to, and we need to follow that. And I wish they could see it from that lens and understand that we do actually care about them. 
the uh, the rainbow that we've been talking about now here, I've always had this sense and the feeling that the rainbow was hijacked uh, by the gay community. And, and when Broden brought it up, when Pastor Broden mentioned that he put it in the context of the fact that the rainbow being God's creation. And as we look at that and what you just described in the way the left have used the rainbow. Now, what she's asking for is more rainbows, more flags, more rainbows put all over the place. Now, at the same time, we have a Biden, a political machine in uh, America right now, being uh, Biden and the Biden cabal. And they just, uh, I, I'm sure you know this story, George, they flew the flag on the U.S. embassy uh, right near the Vatican. You've seen that story, right? I'm sorry, I didn't see that story, but I've heard other things that they've been doing. Yeah, so they're, they're looking for attention again, back to political, they're weaponizing these groups, they're marginalizing and weaponizing for their own evil purposes of what they're doing. So back to when you say, how do we bring both sides together and have a conversation? This is sort of what I've tried to do today in the way that I could with getting the different factors and people in on the conversation. Um, and at least for listeners, draw it out. Now, not everybody's here at the same time, of course, but we have different time zones and different areas of the world they've uh, uh, been here on the program with. So I look for like, how do we, you know, where's that better day at? Now, if we're still at this point of contention, but then we have the political machine that has clearly taken advantage of the, I mean, does anybody think like when she talked about the privilege, the white privilege and all that, does anybody, or does she think, does anybody really think the left cares about the gay community? Do you really believe they do now, George? No, they don't care about the gay community at all. And there are many reasons on the political front why I look at the bigger picture of what the Democrat party stands for. I'm certainly not saying the Republican party is saintly. We know that there are issues with in that party. Amen. But if you look at the policies of the Democrat Party and what they are pushing, I come from the perspective of they are pushing an agenda that is not only trying to just bully parents and silence Christians and anyone who doesn't agree with the agenda, but we understand it is a Marxist communist agenda. We see the bigger picture. They're destroying the lives of these kids and confusing their minds. And I wish the LGBT activists like Taz and those who are fair minded could read the emails and see the text messages and the, and the information that I get from so many parents whose kids are transitioning or want to, and the heartbreaking details of what's happening in their lives or those who have transitioned and realizing that they were lied to. And now they've got a whole onslaught of other issues that they are dealing with. When you get to the root core of these issues and move beyond the agenda and look at the individual lives and you see how so many are being devastated and destroyed because of this issue, it's heartbreaking. And that's why I speak out. I love the LGBT community and I want them to come to know Christ and I have LGBT friends and I don't want them to die and go to hell. But at the same time, uh, we, it's the agenda that I abhor because it's really hurting people. And the Democrat Party does not care about gays, blacks, women or anyone else. They are hell bent on destroying this country. So this, the, well, it appears to be that way. This whole point of inclusivity that uh, that Taz points out in this article, big time, that she's looking for more of that. Let's put that on the on the playing field here for a moment, George. And then, but also put on the field. You know, I didn't realize what she had shared with us that 
that she can't even hold the hand of she said of a wife. I mean, she would they would she would be terrorized. She feels. Are we? Uh, let me ask you this question. You may know the answer to this because I don't really know. And I told her I I thought maybe we were further ahead here in America. Uh, is the UK having more problems than we are in this particular area, or, uh, or is it the same? Or are we have we advanced the ball a little bit further here in America? Well, I was really surprised by her comment because I thought perhaps the UK was much more liberal and accepting yeah. than the US. Yeah. So uh, that was very surprising. But um, I hope she understands that whether you're religious or not, we have crazy people all over the world who just have an issue with people who are different. Amen. And so, uh, yeah. you know, that could be the jocks who just don't like geeks. So understand, I really don't like the victim mentality that feminist and BLM and and the LGBT community and so many people have, even when I was in that life, Malcolm, I can tell you, and this was before I even thought about leaving the homosexual lifestyle and surrendering my life to Christ. I told my friends, America is going to keep shoving this agenda down the throats of the American people to where it's going to backfire on the LGBT community. And people are sick and tired of being called racist, sexist, bigoted, and homophobic, white nationalist, whatever it is, simply because they don't agree with something. And people are tired of being bullying. And I'm telling you, I'm seeing the backlash, not only on social media, but there are even fair-minded lesbians and gays who are speaking out against it. They want the children left alone. They are warning Christians and even straight people in general do not bring your kids to these events. These are, this is an adult-oriented content. Why would you look up to us? Even they are warning, so they understand the real agenda of what's going on. This may surprise so many people as to why there are numerous LGBT individuals who are defecting the Democrat Party and now understand where Trump is coming from, and he has a huge support in the LGBT community. But that, the interesting thing is, is, and I don't know if Taz knows this, mm -hmm. but even within the LGBT community, they will then attack and harass those LGBT individuals who dare to support Trump. So what I would say to Taz, if she were to, to you know, knowing that she has the audience that she has, please speak out about the bullying tactics of the LGBT community. And they, it, that needs to be addressed and they need to start respecting the differences of opinion of everyone. And then you might see people and their attitude changing towards this agenda. But for now, people are fed up with, with the name calling and the bullying. Yeah. You know, you're right with uh, Trump, the, the, uh, the gay community, there was a, there were a lot of gay support with president Trump. Uh, thanks for reminding us of that. I actually forgot about that. So a lot of people in the gay community has started to realize is what you're saying, George, that obviously the Democrat Party and what they're up to. I guess that's become a more and more of a reality for them, is it? Yes, people are finally waking up. It, it's interesting when you are in the LGBT community and I was in that community. I know what it's like. I know the mindset you are to adhere to the way that they think. And it's funny, they always talk about tolerance, but they are the most intolerant people. If you dare to step outside the narrative of what they want you to think and feel, they will eat you alive. And I wish Taz would address that to the LGBT community and tell them, look, how dare we demand respect when we don't give it to others ourselves? Oh, man, I like the way you bring up such incredible points, brother. I love hearing you. I mean, tolerance is a great thing to talk about. They are. I do get the feeling you're exactly right they're, They seem to be very intolerant and they're demanding tolerance. Right. That's a hell of a point because exactly. And that's why I loathed the LGBT community when I was in it. And I know I can tell you mm -hmm. there are a lot of gays and lesbians who cannot stand the pride parades. And I'm really glad that uh, Taz addressed this because they are sick and tired of seeing 
you know, the dikes on bikes, as they call them, with the, bearing their breasts. You've got the men in the thongs gyrating on the, the platforms. Uh, and you've got these children twerking. And on this is roads. a family show, right? This is a family Ex- show. Exactly. What is prideful about that? That is not really what represents or constitutes those who are in the LGBT community. Why aren't they dressed in suits? You know, there are lawyers, uh, inventors, engineers, you name it, very respectful, respectable LGBT individuals in the community, but they put the perversion on on parade and they promote it. And that's all people think. They just think, oh, homosexuals are nothing but a bunch of perverts. Sex is all they know. And so if they want respect, they've also got to clean up their image. Mm. Boy, that is it right there. That is it right there. And I wish if we had had Taz on the line right now, I would ask her to answer that back. You know that. Uh, because you're right. The, the, back to the gyrations and the, uh, uh, the, 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 the thongs and the, uh, the exposure and the what have you. And it becomes, uh, uh, I mean, it's not a show for family at all. And yet they're demanding respect. And then when she says, well, we need more flags everywhere, let's put them everywhere. If that's the image we're trying to bring into the family show, that's not going to that really doesn't belong in the family living room. Uh, George it doesn't belong there. All I'm going to say is this. If she wants more flags everywhere, I should be able to put more Bible verses everywhere. If they want us to listen to them and understand their position, then also respectfully listen to our position as Christians and how those of us who follow Christ have chosen to adhere to his standard, not the worldly standard, and that they respect that. And instead of harassing Christians, Jews, or uh, Muslims uh, who don't go along with the agenda, take your business to gay-friendly organizations. They would be happy to have your money. Stop bullying people. But the thing is, is they are intolerant. They bully people, and people are fed up. And I hope Taz will address this in her uh, when she speaks before people and really change the mind of the LGBT community and and to remember that when a Christian tells you that this is an abomination, but that God loves you and we don't want you to die and go to hell. They will lose their minds, but you'll notice that they will support a party, a Democrat party, which supports Islam. And we know that Islam throws gays off the roofs. They hang them by cranes. They're arrested. They're tortured. I've seen it. I know that it happens, but they're silent on the abuse that Muslim, that, that in Islam, how they really feel about homosexuals. It's such hypocrisy. And all I'm saying is, is that Christians are not the enemy. And you're always going to have bad people in every group. But overall, there are Christians who truly love the individuals, but they must, they've got to, our faith is in God and we've got to please him, not mankind. And I'm asking them to respect that. Yeah, boy, that is perfectly said there. Uh, The thing that rubs me so much within all of this is uh, the words you said a little earlier, uh, you have to accept me. What really is a put off to me and... uh, and my family is this point that they're demanding it. And when, and where I took offense to some of the words in there were again, more flags everywhere. That's jam it down their throat. And every corporation should be woke. Every corporation should have the gay flag out there. And back to the images you just described of the men, the women and the kids and all of these uh, pervert. And you're right. It becomes, and, and that's the danger and the cancer in the community that you just pointed out is such a takeaway out of this conversation because Right away, people begin to size that up. You said it perfectly, George, as perverts. They become known. It doesn't anymore become known as a loving group of people uh, that are tolerant. 
it becomes known as a group of perverts uh, in what they're doing. And that's how people see it. That's how mom and dad at home see it. That's how other people see it. And then if you, that's really offensive, that whole look there that you so pointed out. And then you take it forward. And you know, what I don't like is when people say to me, you have to accept me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And I've got to accept you. And you just, again, you laid that out so well, a very compelling case with the fact that, but yet they don't accept us. Like you said, Bible verses everywhere. That's a perfect thing to say. There's no, so what do they really want? Well, then you look at the left who, has, you know, they're not tolerant at all. They use these groups for their political machine. Some of them are starting to finally wake up. It's a slow process, though, George, because even in Black America, I had the conversation the other day with Black Americans that uh, they realize they're still by far and large voting for the Democrat leftist Marxist machine, just as the Jewish people are doing when there's no support for Israel. Does it make any sense to you? That's funny you say that. I had a blowout with a, a Jewish female <laughs> friend of mine, and it tried to get her to see that. And we ended up uh, having a fallout, and we're un no longer friends. And then now you see what the Democrat Party is doing and the, the rhetoric against Israel. And you can't – it's almost like you can't get them to wake up. And I wish the black community would understand that um, – they're voting for their own enslavement, because if you will really listen to the rhetoric of white liberals, they think that black people are so stupid that they can't pull themselves up by the bootstraps and amount to anything in life and that the white liberal must come along and be their savior. And they don't say it overtly. But if you really listen to them, they make like, oh, you should have the victim mentality. You you're being victimized. And so we have to come and help you. They are actually the racist. The conservatives don't care if you're black or white. All we want are Americans who truly love this country. You work hard. We want everybody to get a piece of the pie. We want you to be successful, to be able to have money, to move into good neighborhoods, go to good schools. We want everybody to be able to enjoy life, liberty, and freedom. It's the Democrat party who are the biggest racists and sexists and bigots on this planet. And yet that's exactly what they use. That's their, that's their whole campaign, everything you just said, uh, which is very racist. Everything they do, everything they say and everything they say in the media is the direct opposite. They, uh, what do we call that, George? Projectionism, right? Projectionism? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, they, they, they get a they – don't – I mean, they won the gold medal in that race, didn't they? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, they're brilliant at it. They really are. They're, it's remarkable to me how they can package up anything and give it out there for mass consumption. But they, they're obviously convincing enough people, George, because they're getting still support from many groups and many people. And there are even people I know. You know, there were people uh, out on the West Coast who um, were friends who were on a uh, 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 stronghold Democrats, but they were on the show that Taz was on, Life Liberty show, uh, several years ago. And I like the people. See, I accept people for who they are, George. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't, I, it does, I don't look at it any other way for me. And, but they're, they're far left, crazy liberals, uh, you know, probably good laugh at a, at a party for sure. But I, I'm so far different than the way they think about life in so many ways. But listen, I'm okay with people thinking differently, but they don't like it back. You and you, the hypocrisy is incredible, but that machine on the left, hypocrisy is their middle name. It's the Democrat hypocrisy driven party, right? Democrat hypocrisy party. It's a middle name. It's who yeah. they are. I mean, and, and those people don't talk to me today because they're in the far left doc indoctrination of that party. 
and I don't have time for their nonsense. And yet they have bought into this Democrat machine like it matters. And they run, they run around. It's all on like, it, you know, it, like somehow they have it all figured out. And yet this is the center of hell. The Democrat Marxist machine is the center of evil. And all of these things, all these roads lead in there. And yet they package it up and put it off for mass consumption like they're doing good in the world, George. It is remarkable what's happening here. I've got to tell you what, if that's all the devil's work, the devil is either brilliant at marketing and branding and has done a hell of a job or we're all in a heap of trouble here, buddy. Yeah, I think all the shots and the aspartame and the fluoride and the chemtrails have just dumbed people down, not to mention years in the public school system, which is nothing but a communist Marxist indoctrination center. So, yeah, they have really succeeded in doing their work and dumbing down the people. And it's so sad that they don't have um, critical thinking skills and common sense that they can't just stop for a moment and just say, what is it about this that doesn't make sense? And what I don't like is I don't like people who have a victim mentality looking for racism and sexism and bigotry and everything under every rock. I don't know what delusional planet they live on thinking that the world has ever been a place of utopia where there aren't mean-spirited, hateful, evil people. It doesn't matter if they're gay, straight, black, white, Republican, Democrat, religious, non-religious. There will never be this utopia that they think they're going to get where nobody's going to hurt their feelings and say something that offends them. The parents have failed. I don't know what has happened, but somebody needs to sit down and have a reality check with these people and have them leave the planet of unicorns and glitter and rainbows. And let's come back to planet Earth. The world doesn't owe you anything. People will always offend you. There are people who aren't going to like you. Get over yourself. We owe you nothing. Get up, get a job, do something with your life. And let's let's focus on bigger issues like child trafficking and uh, pedophile rings and what have you. And those are big issues we do need to focus on. Those, those issues that you just speak about right there are very passionate to my heart, uh, quite frankly. Those are yes. things I, I want to do worldwide uh, with this human trafficking business and pedophilia and things of the nature. These are the real evils of Earth that you'd think we would come together as a people to stamp out. Uh, but I'll tell you, George, it, it, it seems to me in talking about all this today, but I'll tell you, Satan is really having a field day on planet Earth, isn't he? I mean, but, but you know what? I fault the Christians as well. We have a bunch of gutless cowards in this country. They won't get out and vote. They won't get involved on the school boards. They don't get involved in their children's lives. They let them play on their uh, cell phones or video games all day. When are these parents going to sit down and take an active role in their, uh, in their children's lives, have dinner with them, ask them what is going on, and to find out if the child is struggling with bullying issues or if they have low self-esteem or if they're thinking of killing themselves and talking to them and trying to just reach out to them in love and compassion because so many of these kids are hurting. And that's where the LGBT community gets it right. They will accept every mutt, every outcast, every freak, loser, geek, you name it. They will em- they will bring them in under this umbrella and these kids are looking for a safe place to belong. And I don't believe most of these kids really are gay or lesbian. I think they're looking for a place to belong, but where can they fit in a society where even the parents are not engaged in their lives? And you've got the Christians who won't invite people like me into the churches and just warn these kids in a loving way, not planting the seed, but to 
give them the reality of what the LGBT life is really like once they go into it versus the sanitized version of what Hollywood portrays. But nobody wants to be uncomfortable. It, it, it makes me so mad because, again, I'm on the front lines of hearing from the parents and the kids who are abandoning their faith. They're suicidal. They're in and out of mental institutions. They're cutting themselves. I hear so many. I, I, one a woman's son took two butcher knives and bludgeoned himself to, almost to death, but later uh, survived and went on to go ahead and kill himself anyway. Such sad, horrific stories that I hear from so many kids who are hurting. And Christians have got to stop worrying about being liked. We must, we've got to start thinking about these kids and, and fighting back for them and knowing that we can look at our children and our grandchildren and saying to them, I did the best I could to fight for you to stop this agenda, to keep it from destroying your life. Yeah. We are speaking with George Carneal. George Carneal, uh, the author of a very interesting book, From Queer to Christ. And you know, the first conversation I had with George a while back, I said to you, boy, you're really bold to put that title on the book there. And he, he laughed and said, yeah, he said, you know, when you get to a point in your life where, first of all, you, you, you are secure in your faith. Uh, and, and also when you're at a unique position like George is at, where he's looked at life through multiple lens, it's an interesting uh, view. It's an interesting place to look at. And you think about all the good someone like that can do, which he's doing right now. Uh, you know, you're hearing him now. So many of the points that he brings. If you realize just the conversation we're having now, I swear to you, if you play it back and listen to a lot of the points that George has just made. I mean, literally, he has uh, uh, brought out many of the friction points and discussed a lot of the ways we things we need to fix to be able to move this ball forward, this chapter forward, uh, to be able to come one and one and succeed at this thing. Interesting words like tolerance, a judgment, uh, you know, and again, obtaining critical thinking skills that so many people lack, probably because a lot of people, they just become part of the sheeple. And that's what the, the master tells them whoever that happens to be. Uh, you know, as I said to you the other day, I think it's not just the black American community that was uh, that is on the plantation. We're all on the plantation, the plantation for government until we get off of it as a country, as a society. I mean, all these communities and as a people who we are, uh, American, uh, America's lost its touch. It's lost its touch in being a diverse nation of who we are. And They've exposed that by using our diversity against us in a very weird, odd sort of way. They've used all the things we stand for and that we allow, and they're using them against us like it's not enough. We want more. And see, that's what I got out of Taz's article that was so offensive to me. And I'm not easily offended by any of this stuff, but it's like, we want more. And I said, well, how, and like that one person said, well, how much is too much? And then you heard her chuckle when I read that comment back, you know? So, but it is. And, you know, when George points out the photo, the, the photo op of uh, the exposed breast or the, uh, the thong person and the gyration of the body parts. And it, again, it looks like a, you know, a convention for perverts. Uh, then you have to begin to question. You've seen some of those parades. I mean, they're embarrassing. I mean, truly, truly, they are. I mean, I would not ever have it on for my house, my family ever. Not, it would not be anything I would, uh, I don't care who's putting it on. Uh, 
uh, it's they they're embarrassing, you know, period. Does that make me homophobic? To some people probably would, because the reason is they want to jam it down your throat. And if you don't like it, then you are homophobic, they call you, or you're racist, or you're xenophobic, or you're something. You know, it's again, it's that intolerance, intolerance sort of thing. It is remarkable, my fellow Americans, really, really remarkable. Let me remind you today and introduce you to Healthy Cell. If you haven't been listening to me, wow, wow, wow. It is an incredible product. That's the reason I tell you about it. I've been taking it for about three and a half years. It is remarkable uh, what Healthy Cell does for your body, for your cells, the health of your cells. You see, as we all age, our cells age. And unless you can, uh, you know, uh, get those to regenerate those cells and keep them healthy, well, then... You, you will get old before your time, I guess, is what you'd say. One of the products you've been hearing me talk about is the Immune Super Boost. And this is because whatever virus is coming down the pike or COVID or whatever else, you know, just the flu. Remember, the, the, the regular flu kills a lot of people far more than a lot of these other things kill. And so, you know, whatever it is, these diseases and viruses and things, if you have a healthy immune system and you treat your body well, which really back to what you know we're talking about here, part of the subject matter, our, our body really is our temple. It is, it is our temple, it is God's temple. But if we don't take care of our body and respect it, I think that's important. I'm gonna remind you of this all the time. Lifestyle, get out and walk, breathe, enjoy. You know, that's what we're here for, this beautiful planet. You know, I, I do that. I appreciate just the, the simple moments. I don't need a lot of stuff to be happy, quite frankly. You know, don't need a lot of stuff at all. Uh, not not at all to be joyous and happy in the moment, you know, and a lot of times just a beautiful walk will do that for me, quite frankly. And uh, so it's the simple things of life is what I suggest to you anyways, but it is lifestyle. I want to encourage you always to have the right lifestyle, but also take healthy cell. All of our listeners, as you know, 20% off your first order, uh, healthycell.com forward slash out loud. Uh, that comes up. You see a little image of myself and anything you buy in there, you get the 20% off. I really like this company. I love the product. Love the product. Uh, check out Immune Super Boost or the regular gel, healthy cell gel. Throw the vitamins away. Go with this. You don't need the vitamins. And in that uh, Immune Super Boost, get everything in you need there to get that immune system super boosted. Well, listen, I'm going to keep George Carneal on with us. A, a, a pretty incredible uh, conversation today. A, probably a conversation a lot of people wouldn't have. But uh, listen, I don't mind getting into the lion's den and talking about this stuff. I just hope uh, that, you know, respectfully, each person we had on the show here, I, coming on today, I kind of thought to myself, by golly, I hope they all talk to me after today's show, because you're, you're looking at different lifestyles and different angles of a conversation to really have here, you know, but hey, it's what we do here, right, people? It's what we do here. So you're listening to The Voice of a Nation. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough Report. Are you looking for better sleep, focus, and energy? Check out Healthy Cell, the leading innovator of nutritional supplements for cell health. Most vitamins haven't been upgraded since the 1930s. Healthy Cell uses an innovative technology, which is a gel pack that pro provides a better absorbed vitamins and nutrients where they're needed the most. I just took a healthy cell today before I went out and exercised, and I can tell you I am working hard 
for America Out Loud radio as we speak. And tonight, I am looking for good REM sleep. And I can tell you, I am tired and I want to fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deeply and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cell. Um, you're going to use the Healthy Cell REM sleep supplement. This is the only sleep supplement to, to designed to support all four stages of sleep. So go to HealthyCell.com and use the code OUTLOUD, all capital letters, and get a 20% off for your first order of any product. I use Healthy Cell and I'm really glad that I've been introduced to it. So I recommend it for you. Again, go to HealthyCell.com and use the OUTLOUD uh, code, promotional code, for a 20% off your first order. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough Report. While the cancel culture is determined to destroy our history, bringing violence and terror to city streets, America Out Loud will enhance its own message of love and honor for the American traditions and constitutional values that have always been the backbone of what America means. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. America Out Loud Talk Radio liberty and justice for all. Listen to Malcolm, the voice of a nation on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android or Alexa. George, coming on today, as I just said before the boys, and I really meant that, actually. Uh, I thought today, you know, I, I like Taz. I'm sure you could tell when you were listening. I like Taz a lot, you know. Uh, she's a, a, a terrific person, human being. And uh, and I thought after we do this show today between her, Pastor Stephen Broden, and I didn't tell him what we we're going to talk about either, and yourself, I hope everybody would still talk to me at the end of the show. What do you think? Will they still talk to me? I believe they will. I really liked Taz. She just seemed like she was fair. Um, and I think if she and I were ever in a room together, I think we could have a fair uh, and balanced conversation and very respectful. And actually, as for the pastor, I didn't realize this, but I actually met him at a conference a couple of years ago where he and I spoke. So um, really good to hear him. Yes. Oh, he's he is tremendous. He's one of my favorites, Pastor Stephen Broden, one of my favorites. He's part of my team nation here, actually, on my on this broadcast. And so he's typically readily available to help me out anytime we can. Uh, again, today, when I put the message out to him, he was at a major conference with all these pastors and he took the time for me. I said, I really would like to have about 20 minutes of your time. And, but I never told him what we we're going to talk about, George. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, but I, that's the confidence I had in him. And I obviously had it back because he never asked me. Uh, now, I may, I, may, I may have broken the rules there. Next time, you probably say, Malcolm, what are we talking about again? <laughs> exactly. Well, I was glad because I had heard you speak before about the judgment issue, and I'm so glad he addressed that. So there were a lot of things that he said that I really appreciated it, and I'm like, oh, good. He said it more eloquently, eloquently than I would have. So uh, well, I don't I really know about that. The conversation. I don't know about that, but he did hit some pretty big points here. I still don't think it's my position uh, to be, I love each person across the 
the board, and I don't think it's up for me. And I, I get what he talked about with the uh, our, our covenants of faith. I do very much agree with him on the point of morality. He and I are fighting the fight of good and evil every day. So we're on, we are totally symbiotic in that field. You know that, George. Yes. I mean, no, but but I, what I had liked about this show today is that it was well-rounded and you were getting it from different perspectives. So I really appreciate you just having the courage to have all of us on here to get it from different sides. Well, it was, it was, it encourages the word here because uh, coming on board, you know, I was a little tired coming into today. It's been a, it's been an incredible um, a couple of weeks here on the network. And I thought, and I've, I've been doing these shows and I thought, am I really up for today? You know how sometimes you get to do something, George, and you say, say yeah, I don't think I'm really up to that today. Right. You know, um, today was one of those days I sort of questioned that. I said, hey, I'm a little, I don't know if I'm really up to this conversation today uh, and to take on all of this, uh, and this sort of thing. So let's let's continue to move this ball forward. And let me ask you, you, you continue to surpass my expectations. Every time I talk to you now, uh, you you really do uh, blow the conversation away. Uh, and it really is. A, and why you do that, George, it's because you isolate the problem. And you, and you can only isolate the problem if you step back, if you're willing to look at something at 30,000 feet. That's the only way you can do that, okay? You have to step out of the room, I do that every day of my life. I always have. It's probably why I'm more acceptance than others, because I, I don't micromanage everything like that. I think you got to look back and really look at the big picture. And uh, and I do that in a weird sort of way, George. Even times I'll give you an example here when I let me explain what I mean by that and have you comment on it, because maybe maybe, you know what I'm talking about here. But a lot of times through my life. Right. Um, I, um, maybe there's an evening we're having people in or having a gathering. I always look at life as a special moment. We never know. First of all, the moment you're having, let's say you have special friends over or people or business folks or whatever, and it's a special moment or whatever, or you make it special. Everything is how you make it as well. I always recognize in my mind that we may never, we'll, well, we'll never have that moment again because that moment is that moment, you see? So when they say live in the moment, how I take that is if I let that moment go by, I never get that back again. So that's how I don't live in the past and I don't live in the future. I live in this moment. And my goal actually is whoever I'm interacting with, if it's my teenagers, if it's my woman, if it's a life, something, it's I want to make that the best moment it can be, like whatever, or out with friends or we're doing something unique that night. But what I tend to do in my life is, I, and I, do you ever do this? If I'm in a room, there's a group of people there, and I tend to step out of the room mentally here, and I do it all the time, and I'll look back into the room to see what's going on, who's talking, what we're, what the dialogue is like, or, you know, like, what, what what's the moment like? How do we make it better? So I'm always stepping out of conversations, and I'm looking back in. Is that kind of weird or odd, or do, do you know anybody else who does that? No, then it makes both of us freaks. <laughs> 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 because I, I do, I'm really introverted. And when I go into a room full of people that I don't know, I like to sit down and just observe first because I need to see who I feel comfortable with, who I feel safe with. I want to hear what the conversations are that are being said. I'm not really into small talk. So I tend to gravitate towards people who have something legitimate to say that will feed my mind. Otherwise, I kind of just tend to remove myself from the situation because I'm not into small talk. 
Yeah, I could see where you're not actually. Just knowing your personality already and the times I've met you, I, I would get that sense from you. You're sort of a no-nonsense person that way. We would differ in this way here, brother. And, and I used to be the king of networking and all that kind of thing. Back in, you know, those rooms you'd walk in and like you see, you didn't know anybody, right? It's a networking opportunity or something, you know? Yes, in LA, it's all the time. And that was another reason why I don't have patience for it because in LA, and especially if you work in the entertainment business, it really all is about the networking and kissing people's butts and I just can't do it. And that's why I never went far in that business. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I just, I'm not into that whole scene. Yeah. Well, I was never, yeah, I'm not, I've never been in my life a, a, a butt kisser. Probably listeners know that for sure about me. I'm not really falling into that cap category at all, but but I am um, the, the one, I, when you say you come into the room and you're initially sort of quiet, you figure it out. Well, Malcolm Out Loud comes in the room to be the life of the party. So I ain't quiet, George. <laughs> so I come in to say, okay, what are we doing, kids, tonight? How do we make this thing good and what have you? But there are issues you get the party going or the conversation going, really. It's not always a party, although life can be a party, right? Uh, but, uh, you know, it's that moment. I'm, I'm saying psychologically, I tend to step out uh, to see where we're at. Now, what's unique about this exercise and the reason I bring it up, actually, is it's an opportunity for us to make every moment in our life the best it can be. And I, I really want that for everybody, George. When I talk about a lifestyle and being healthy and you know, any advice I can give to listeners to contribute to the health and well-being of their lives, that's a, that's a real pleasure for me to do. I mean, I, I love that, count me in every day. My goal is to raise all lives and all boats and, and give that opportunity across the board. But I think if you try that in your life out there yourself, and even whatever you're doing tonight, it's like Pastor Broder said, it's not about the material things, George. I don't believe that at all. I, I don't really don't care about that stuff because you're not taking that stuff with you anyway, so you can forget about it. I'd rather have the simplicity of the conversation. Actually, give me a great bottle of red wine, great company, and a popcorn machine, and I'm happy, George. How's that? Well, you give me a book and some chocolate chip cookies, a kitten and some coffee and no people. And I'm too good. <laughs> There's a comparison. I love it. That's a comparison contrast of views there. Yeah. Uh, but as far as getting out loud now, your life, um, I've been wanting to get here back with you because the first conversation we had was absolutely outstanding. Today is even more extraordinary with you uh, because you're um, you're really pointing out a lot of things uh, in a very interesting way. You're such an outstanding spokesman uh, for not only the left and the right in that comparison, but but the where, where the gay community was, the faith community, uh, and it's it's like in this life, like we, we we always have to put things in silos, don't we, George? Everything's in a silo, right? I mean, yes, it's, it's kind of stupid, isn't it? I mean, you know, it's everything. It's the way we look through life. You're this. You're that. You're this. I guess it's the way we identify or whatever. Um, for you, uh, your life experience is very, very unique. And uh, for those folks who are hearing you the first time, I mentioned up front, I want to come back to that right now. You are the son of a Southern Baptist minister, and you spent 25 years in the homosexual lifestyle is what you say, correct? Correct. 25 years. Yeah. 20, right. All right. And and uh, your dad and you did not see eye to eye as a youngster, and but now you have a good relationship with them today. It's at a whole different level, but you have really come out of that community. What was the tipping point for you? And I don't know that I've really asked you that specific question. What was the tipping point in your life that did that that moment 
where it just blew you away. And actually, I did ask you a little bit of that point, that question, but tell listeners now what that was that, because you, it, it puts you on a total different trajectory in life now in faith in God Almighty. Well, again, the agenda and what people proclaim is, oh, this LGBT life is such a great life. And when you first go in it, it is because when you're used to being a freak and an outcast and you're around people who accept you, it's the most wonderful feeling. And when you're disconnected from male peers growing up and you walk into this life and you suddenly have men giving you an, an attention that you haven't had, that became addicting. But understand you can only have so much sex and do so much pornography, drugs, alcohol, and the partying before you realize, wait, I'm still empty. There's something about this void that isn't being filled, just like with materialism. And like you say, it really doesn't bring happiness. It may bring a momentary moment of joy. So it was really after 25 years, I had to stop and really examine my life. It's like, what am I trying to get out of this life? Because most people don't know that in the gay community, your youth is valued and you are the new meat on the block. Once you start to age and your body falls apart and your looks start to fade, nobody wants to have anything to do with you other than you sit with people who have cats and you play checkers and you have a boring life. And so for me, there was an emptiness and a void and God was really working with me on that issue. And that's why I would like to say to someone like Taz, those who maybe aren't religious, to understand that there are gays and lesbians in that community who have a strong faith in God. And even though we may differ on whether or not it's okay to be gay and Christian, or if we should take the path of celibacy, it really burns me up. And so many of the, of us who have faith, who look at gays and lesbians, who have no respect for, for Christians, but not only that to portray themselves as Jesus on a gay float where other men, where he's half naked and, and they're gyrating all over Jesus. It's very offensive to us. And so whether you're gay and Christian or, or if you're heterosexual and Christian, they would never do that with the prophet Muhammad or with Buddhist or even the Hindu gods. And this is what I would say to someone like Taz is use your platform to say, you know what? We need to stop this. This is Jesus is very important to so many Christians in this world, and we need to respect their faith as well. And that goes for the gays and lesbians who are in that life, who have a love for Jesus. And it, we find it offensive. And the gay community really needs to take a look at its hypocrisy and the things that they do to really um, – almost pour gasoline on the fire. And then they mm -hmm. wonder why people react the way that they do. And then they want to, in a passive aggressive way, play the victim. Like yeah. those Christians are beating us up. I'm really tired of the hypocrisy. So it was really a combination of so many things that I had to look at in that life, mm -hmm. the hypocrisy, the mindset, knowing I wasn't finding any joy. I had to realize I've got to get out of here. There's got to be more to life. And thank God I found that in Christ. Wow. Incredible testimony. And the really, it's the tolerance and intolerance again. There's no tolerance back. Uh, and uh, you really got my eyes open when you talked about, uh, well, you know, Jesus happens to be important to some people. And the fact that you're doing that on the floats and what have you, don't you think that is a bit uh, intrusive to people? And yet they then they force that. And then here's the caveat to all of that is they then they force you to accept them. Then the next breath, George, they say, well, you have to accept us. And if you don't accept us, you're this. Right. 
I actually have gay men who hate my testimony and hate what I stand for. And they will send me artwork of Jesus being raped by men. I have Satanists who will send me blasphemous stuff about God and the Holy Spirit and, and Jesus. Feminists who are like, oh, the patriarchy. I get it from all sides. It is unbelievable, the lack of tolerance, but yet they demand respect and tolerance. But how does me leaving that life and simply following Christ, following a path that gives me peace, how does it destroy your world? This is how intolerant they are. And so when gay men send me that stuff, I'm offended. And this is why so many LGBT individuals are fed up with that community because they see the hypocrisy. Wow. Wow. The last message when people read your book from queer to Christ, Beyond what you're talking about right now, what is the lasting message for somebody? That there is hope, whatever your bondage is. You know, there. this is the thing, Malcolm. So many people in this world, they are really hurting. Their lives are a mess. They've made some poor choices, and maybe they've ended up on the wrong path. But I want them to know that no matter what you've done, God at the end of the day is still there for you. He loves you come to him with all of your baggage. You will never be perfect, but God can clean up your life and change your life. I've seen what he's done in my life and the life of so many others, even women who've come out of pornography, women who've had abortions, people who've come out of uh, prison, people who've come out of the porn industry, the occult, Satanism, their drugs, alcohol, you name it. So many people have been delivered and we have testimonies of, of, of showing and revealing the transforming power of what God can do in an individual's life. So my message is a message of hope. It is not attacking the LGBT community. It is being fair to both sides. I expose as much of the Christian community as I do the LGBT community, but it's not an attack on both as much as just getting both sides to look at this. Let's start coming together and being respectful and let's stop the fighting, but know that at the end of the day, if you feel suicidal and you just feel like you have nothing to live for, I hope you would read the book and realize at the end of the day, God is faithful and he's merciful and he loves you. Amen to that. And George is speaking from experience, friends, because he was at that low point. Countless times he was going to commit suicide, uh, drugs, prostitution, pills, med, the whole bit. Right, George? Absolutely. And I actually attempted suicide. And by the grace of God, he allowed me to live. That's uh, re remarkable. I asked you uh, that first talk we talked about if somebody was, you know, they talk about the trans community today, which has clearly become really vivid in your face with kids uh, that are going through trans. It's a very controversial, complex conversation. I ask you because there's this whole thing that people are born with this and uh, not by the choices they made. My antenna went up moments ago when you talked about the choices we make. And I wonder with you, and, I, and I, I know the answer to this already, I believe, based on your testimony and everything you've said, but had your life, based on everything I know about you now, as a young man, as a young guy, had your life been different, and whatever those choices, those even those simple choices you made, but even the factors around you, because we don't always get to cho choose our things that happen as kids in our life, our lifestyle, our relationship with our adults and parents and things of that nature. But have things been different? Is it fair to say, George, that you might not have pursued a life in the gay community? Absolutely. If I, if I had not bought the lies, Malcolm, I really think the course and the direction of my life might have changed had there been parents 
uh, Christians or adults who perhaps recognized something in me that I couldn't recognize in myself, but they allowed me to know that I want you to open up and share what's on your heart and what you're going through and give me a safe place and to help me to figure this out. Because when you are a small child trying to understand the magnitude of a same-sex attraction while dealing with your faith in a world where you hear people make such derogatory remarks about homosexuals, not knowing who you can trust. And as Taz said, you know, the, the reality is still real that even back in the 70s and 80s, especially, people were, could be murdered simply because they were assumed to be a homosexual or at least have their lives destroyed or kicked out of their homes. So had I had a way to talk to someone and they just try to show me the truth of God's word, but this is where Christians get it wrong. They want to use God's word to condemn and to beat the homosexual upside the head, especially with regard to Sodom and Gomorrah and Romans 1 and what have you. But when are you ever going to sit down and also give that person hope and tell them how much that God knows the numbers of the hair on their head? That's in Luke 12, 7 or in Jeremiah 1, 5. Before I formed you I, in the belly, I knew you. Or in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. These kind of verses helps me to know that God knew me in the womb. He is personable. He is knowable. And he is invested in my life because of what Jesus did on the cross. But what some Christians will do is they give the negative side and beat that individual upside the head and they give them no hope. But yet they won't walk with them on this journey as they are trying to leave that life to just simply love on them and listen to them and let them pour their heart out. And if nothing else, just say to them, I can't change you, but Jesus can. Let's get you to come to know Christ is your savior. No matter how much he loves you, he can transform your life. And I know there's power in prayer. And it was the Christians who prayed for me that transformed my life. Pray all praises to God. Amen. It is a story of empowerment, uh, my fellow Americans. It is a story of empowerment. Uh, and uh, George Carneal, George Carneal, his website is a great website. Uh, georgecarneal.com, C-A-R-N-E-A-L, just as you would imagine. Uh, that book is on there. It's available as well there. It's also in the America Out Loud bookstore. The link for that is back at americaoutloud.com. I will also have the cover of the book on the front page there for you to take a look at. I encourage you to take a look at it. Uh, from Queer to Christ, very interesting. And you hear the passion from George right now and where he's coming from. There's a lot of lessons here. There's so much to learn from all of this. Uh, and I believe from George, uh, he's a vessel now. That's what it is. He's a vessel and an open vessel. And, and, and I like the sound of that very much. Uh, in George Carneal, Taz Thornton, who you heard up front, Pastor Stephen Broden. Uh, I appreciate all of them and for all of their help here to put this out on the Voice of a Nation to you. Catches every day, 5 p.m. 10 p.m. is the encore. All the shows do go to podcast just a couple days after they're heard on talk radio. Uh, it's all back at AmericaOutloud.com, my friends. Let's make a difference. It's time to get involved and get loud.